Okay? So good morning and welcome to Thrive Church. I'm excited to be here with you. I'm excited to be worshiping with all you guys. I'm, I'm excited that there's people out in the parking lot listening by the radio, people watching online. I'm excited about all that. Why? Because I believe that I'm not smart enough to give you anything. I believe I'm just sold out enough to Jesus Christ and to the Holy Spirit that what he will come through, I might say yabba-dabba-do, but he'll say something else. <laughs> you know, don't trust in me, trust in him. Um, in 2010, Denzel Washington starred in a, a movie called Unstoppable. And the movie Unstoppable, it was, it was about a runaway train. And the engineer and the conductor of the train uh, that was supposed to have the, get this train, they're trying to intercept this train because it was carrying toxic chemicals that, that if it hit this one point on the track, when it was going around the track, it would decimate a whole community. So they were chasing this train with another train. You know, when you look at this scenario, you're thinking, man, a train is unstoppable. But in the story, they were able to stop the train, so it wasn't the train that was unstoppable, it was the conductor and the engineer that were unstoppable. See, the world would have you believe that you don't really matter. They would have you believe that your voice doesn't count. It's useless. They would have you believe that they are unstoppable when, rea when rea in reality it is the church that is unstoppable. Matthew 16 verse 18, Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time that we have to glorify and magnify you, to worship you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you reveal to us truth and you reveal to us knowledge in the word of God. And Father, as the truth is revealed in our lives, I pray that we act upon it with wisdom and we go out and not only have our lives transformed, but give people the tools to transform their lives as well. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, amen. So in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, in the New Living Translation, it says, upon this rock, everybody say rock. Upon this rock I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Rock there would be upon this foundation upon this revelation, upon the revelation of being in right standing with God, upon the revelation of your identity in Christ Jesus, upon the revelation of the message of the grace of God, upon the revelation of the gospel of peace, that God has made peace with God and man, upon the revelation of, we have a relationship with our heavenly Father, upon the revelation of, Holy Spirit, we can go on and on and on and on. Upon the foundation, the gates of hell are not going to prevail. When the church has the right revelation, when the church has the right foundation, that the church becomes unstoppable. The word unstoppable defined, impossible to stop or prevent cannot be surpassed or unbeaten. No matter what the world has to say, no matter what, what the, how hard they're trying to work to, to work us out, the church is unstoppable and the gates of hell shall not prevail. 
Oh, come on now. You might ask, why is the church unstoppable? And you know, that's a fair question when you, look at, when you look at things. Because when you look at things, it looks like the church has been losing ground. We've been letting the little foxes destroy the vine. In 9-11, when that went down, church parking lots were packed. People were crying out. People were seeking God. They didn't know what was going on. And I'll be honest with you, that used to be the norm anytime tragedies happened. Christians got together and was, started seeking God in masses and prayed. But something changed in 2019. The world found a way to stop churches from meeting. And we call it a pandemic. I guess... The church doesn't remember, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the days are getting closer. We've allowed the world to dictate to us. It went from we were not allowed to be in a building together to where we are not allowed to show up in the parking lot in cars in some states without the fear of being arrested or fined. It got to the point where People would get mad and hate each other because they wore masks or didn't wear masks. It's at the point right now that people are mad and hating each other because they get the vaccine or they don't get the vaccine. That's your choice. We should not be haters. Pastor, are you saying not to get the vaccine? Absolutely not. I'm not saying that at all. This is what I am saying. I'm saying this, go to God first. If you cannot hear a clear answer from God, here's my advice. Get the vaccine. Because if you can't hear God clearly saying, then you're confused and you, have, you can't hear. But you have peace when you go do something. If you don't have peace, God's trying to tell you something. Period. See, I'm not against or for. I'm for God, and that's the bottom line. Pastor, I thought you were talking about the church being unstoppable. I, I am, but what I'm trying to get at is we need to stop listening to ignorant and stupid people, and we need to start listening to God and his word. And I, I made mention, I was, I was messing with Stacy a little earlier, and I was having fun with her. Um, Alexa was, she, she thought we were, you know, but... Stacy and I do stuff like this. We, we kind of go at each other like that, and, but it's fun. Um, well, that's just kind of our relationship, you know. So anyway, um, we were talking about the vaccine and, and different things, and, you know, she's, get it, and I'm like, well, you know, I heard, and you know, just trying to, that's fun. That's, we can do that in church. It's when you get to the point that you don't like somebody because, it gets to the point when we start judging people because, because what happens is then we become the stoppable church. See, the world can't stop us, but we can. Satan can't stop us, but we can. It's all about a choice. Well, the church, the church, we're going to call this grace, the unstoppable church. The church is unstoppable because number one, and this is not in your notes, I purposely did not, I purposely just gave you scriptures. 
I want you to write stuff down. I want you to think about it. Number one, Jesus conquered death. In Revelation, it says in chapter 1, verse 8, I am the living one. I died, but I but look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and the grave. See, Jesus died on the cross. And people think when he said it is finished, that means he didn't do anything else, but that's not true. It's finished what he came to do. Now he goes to the next phase of what had to happen. See, he went down to hell, and he paid the price that we deserve, but hell couldn't hold him. The grave could not hold him. Pastor, I don't believe that. Okay, let's see what the Bible has to say. In Matthew chapter 12, in verse 38, the scribes and the Pharisees wanted to see a sign. And they wanted to see a sign to sh so Jesus can prove who he is. So in verse 39, it says, But he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign will be given to uh, it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Other places it says three days and three nights, but that's the prophet Jonah. That's what happened, three days and three nights. So let's see what happened to Jonah three days and three nights. Jonah chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, New King James Version. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the fish's belly. Hmm, okay. He sounds like Pinocchio and Geppetto. Check it out. And he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction, and he answered me out of the belly of Sheol. I cried, and you heard my voice. Well, I don't believe Jesus is Pinocchio or Geppetto either. But this is the sign. What, what's Sheol? Okay, I'm glad you asked me that. In the Strong's Concordance, it is Hebrew word 7585, Sheol. It means Hades, or the world of the dead, as if a subterranean retreat, including its accessories and inmates. Sheol means underworld, grave, hell, and the pit. I... I, there, I have more scriptures, but I'm not going there. I just want to show you what happened for three days. He wasn't, well, well hey, pastor, what about, what about, what about, he looked at the thief and he, he said, today you're going to be with me in paradise. All right. Y'all going to be with me at the football game. I'm going to be on the visitor's side. You're going to be on the home side. We're all in the same place. But one's in the paradise side, one's not. Well, how do you know? Read the story of Lazarus. He gave, it's not as if a man, which is a hypothetical story, he gave names, he gave addresses, he gave phone numbers, and the rich man was like, hey, have Lazarus come over here, put a little water on my tongue. He's like, nope. Well, hey, at least me, let me come back. To, so I could tell my brothers and I could tell my family so they don't end up over here. This was a real story. They were in the same place, but one was on this side of the bosom and one was on this side of the bosom. Anyhow, 
That's just the simple way to put it. It, it, It's much deeper. But the sign that Jesus gave was three days and three nights in Sheol. But the grave couldn't hold him. Sheol couldn't, couldn't couldn't leave him there. He rose in victory with the keys of death, hell, and the grave. The Apostle Paul writes concerning this, Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? This is 1 Corinthians 15, 55, uh, 57. 56 says, The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. So we already realized, we talked about this before, that sin strength comes from the law. Well, how does it come from the law? It comes from you trying to be made right with God by obeying the law. See, Abraham wasn't made right with God by obeying the law. It was his covenant that Moses wrote the law under. He was made right. The Bible says clearly in Romans that he was made justified by faith. He was made right by faith. It's always been faith in God. It's always been faith in a Messiah to come. It's always been faith in Jesus. Oh, come on. He said, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, God, for your grace, for your unmerited favor given to me to have your ability, your strength, your power, your capability working through me. Romans 8, 11. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. The church is unstoppable because the same resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead lives on the inside of you and me. That's why the church is unstoppable. It is the same power. Every born-again believer has that power. I got the power. But just because you have the power doesn't mean you're going to use it. You, first of all, you have to know that you have it. Why is the church unstoppable? Number two, Jesus stripped Satan of his power. Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him, Jesus, and given him, Jesus, the name which is above every name, that At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. All, all, everybody say all, all authority the devil thought he had, because really he didn't have it was stripped away. Well, well, pastor, what do you mean he didn't have it? Do you all remember when uh, Jesus was taken into the wilderness uh, by, by the Holy Ghost? He was led there. And the devil was trying to tempt him. He, he, he said, if you bow down to me, I will give you all the kingdoms. Did you notice he didn't say I'd give you the earth? I would give you the kingdoms of the earth. Why is that so important? Kingdoms are ruled by men. 
So men, God never took the authority away from man. Man always had the authority. The reason why the devil was able to rule is because he deceived the minds of men and he used men to rule the earth. And he does that still today. Just like God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, so's the devil. He doesn't change. He's a liar, liar. His pants are about ready to be on fire. See, Jesus completed his mission. He sits at the right hand of the Father. He's not eating popcorn, watching a human life video to see what's going to happen. He already knows what's happened. He's not waiting for it to turn. It's already turned out. 2,000 years ago at the cross of Calvary, he showed out. He turned out. It's done. Colossians 2, 13 through 15. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away then god made you alive with christ for he forgave all your sins amen we are saved by grace through faith right verse 14 he canceled the record he did what he canceled the record of charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. He didn't nail your sin to the cross. He canceled the charges. That means he nailed the law, which the devil used to use to point out your faults. Can't use it anymore because Jesus fulfilled the law. Man, I'm telling you, this is grace is a great message. When you really get it, I mean, it, it stirs you up on the inside. So, so that means, see, if he only canceled sins, you hadn't sinned yet. He canceled the law, meaning even if you sin after, it's not throwing you into H-E double hockey sticks. So the law's not put against you. Well, pastor, are you saying it's okay to sin? Absolutely not. Because if you keep going down that road, even as a believer, and you're, doing, and you're going to keep, eventually your heart is going to be hardened against Christ Jesus and the price that he paid, and you'll end up an apostate. That means it's not once saved, always saved. Well, how do you know that? The, the Bible says in Revelation that you can be blotted out of the Lamb's book of life. It, it, you can't be blotted out of something that you were never in. I'm not going to say that. I'm going to say it. How stupid can we be and still breathe? You know, I mean, all we've got to do is read the Bible. Verse 15, in this way. He disarmed the spiritual rulers and the authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. They never saw it coming. If they saw it coming, they would have kept, made sure that he lived to a ripe old age and died naturally. Well, still he would have lived, but yeah, but he had to be sacrificed. God requires a sacrifice for sins. So he was sacrificed. See, the reason why we don't need to sacrifice animals now, because a neg we'll, we'll call an animal a negative two compared to a person. Now, some people, animal lovers, they won't agree with me on that. 
but I will kill any cat and any squirrel and any bear and anything that is an animal before I kill any person. I mean, it's dumb. There's no, just no comparison. A negative two animal blood sac cannot match a positive 10 human being. So it took a positive 10's sacrifice to redeem a positive 10 sin. And so it was just like Adam's was done forever, Jesus's is done forever. Canceled out Adam's. The Message Bible says he stripped all spiritual tyrants in the universe of their sham authority at the cross and marched them naked through the streets. The church is unstoppable and the world doesn't even see us coming. The war is over. You, you know, we, we talked about a minute ago, he's building an army. I'm going to tell you what, he's building something stronger than an army. He's building a family. Soldiers retreat. Family members stick together stronger. It's, it's weird. But when you really realize that you're in the family, whether you're in the family of God or it's just your family here in Belton, You will stick with your family in Belton. And you will stay, even if you hadn't seen them in a month of Sundays. Or many, 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 many moons. And you'll let other people just go by the wayside. Because family is strong. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. Because God's children are human beings... Made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break. Everybody say break. That word break is also destroy in other translations. The power of the devil who had the power of death. Verse 15, only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of of dying. If you are a believer, you should not have, let me say, everybody say should. You should not have fear in death. But the reason why people have fear of death, either number one, they're not believers. Number two, they've been taught wrong doctrine, and so they're believing in false doctrine, which gives them fear. Number three, they don't read their Bibles and pray on a regular basis to create a relationship with God. Pick your poison. I mean, that's just the truth. You should not have fear in death. We should have comfort and peace knowing death does not have victory. It does not sting. Christ Jesus had victory 2,000 years ago. Hmm. So, the word break, like I said, means destroy in verse 14. In the Greek, it means to render entirely idle or useless, to abolish, do away, bring to naught, to zero, and make void. So, the power of the devil, according to this definition of that scripture, is idle, useless, abolished, done away with, been zeroed out, and made void. 
why do we fear the devil? The Amplified Bible says this way about that verse, that by going through death, he might bring to naught and make of no effect him who had the power of death, that is the devil. We are talking about the unstoppable church. The church is unstoppable. And the next reason why it's unstoppable, number three, Jesus is the rock, the solid foundation of the church. Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27, it says, Anyone who listens to my teachings and follows them is like a wise, or, and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes and the torrent uh, and the uh, flood waters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But if anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey, it is foolish. Like a person who builds his house on the sand, when the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Basically, these two verses could be summed up this way. If you listen to Jesus and follow his word, when the trouble comes because it's coming, you'll stand through the trouble and you'll be okay on the other side. But if you don't, you won't. I mean, I have a whole lot shorter I mean, it's just really easy to figure that out. Just follow Jesus. Stand on the rock. He's the firm foundation. Isaiah 28, 16. Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am placing a foundation stone in Jerusalem, a firm and tested stone. It is a precious cornerstone that is safe to build on. Whoever believes need never be shaken. Well, that cornerstone is Jesus. We'll find out here in a second. And if your foundation is Jesus you sh you, and you're fully persuaded in his word, you should never be shaken on whatever happens. Oh, my goodness. A Republican became president. Oh, man. A Democrat. You know what I'd be freaking out over? Oh, my goodness. God is off the throne. <laughs> that's what I would freak. That's not going to happen. So why should I be shaken? He knew it was going to happen before it happened. I'm not shaken about a pandemic. Look, if it's time for me to go, let's go. I'm good with it. Well, well what about the people you left behind? I'll be rooting for you. <laughs> I'll be in the great cloud of witnesses going, come on, come on, Leo. Come on, get going, move it, move it. And if they said, do you want to come back? Oh, no, I don't want to come back because there's trouble down there. <laughs> Ain't no trouble where I'm at now. See, when you have that type of attitude inside your spirit, when you are truly, fully persuaded, you do not fear death. What it basically means is you cannot be defeated if you do not quit. 1 Peter 2, 4 and 5. You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. There it is. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. Verse 5. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What this tells me is this. I don't need some guy with a collar turned around to intercede for me and God. 
See, I'm part of a living church connected to a living God and part of his spiritual temple. So I can go to God myself. The church is unstoppable, number four. Jesus is the head of the church. Colossians 1.18, Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. Now, you know, that is really, really, really powerful. I mean, because if you think about it, there's nobody else who's been raised from the dead who continued to live. Everybody who's been raised from the dead died again. So the head of the church, the part of the spiritual building that we belong to, was raised from the dead. He died one time. He was raised from the dead. He, well, so, pastor, what does that mean? Okay, we're going to die in the flesh, but we're going to raise with Christ Jesus. He's the head. That's who I'm taking after. I mean, this is powerful. Paul said, and he was stressing that Jesus was the Lord of all, and that we're part of his spiritual body in Ephesians chapter 1 verses 19 through 23 he said I also pray that you will understand everybody say understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him this is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in uh, the place of honor at God's right hand in heavenly realms. Paul said I want you to understand the the resurrection power that's on the inside of you he prayed, matter of fact, when he started this prayer, he said, I cease not to pray for this. So he prayed this prayer again and again and again and again and again. See, he wants us to understand the resurrection power because if we understand the resurrection power, we will walk in resurrection life. Now, verse 21, he was far above any ruler or authority or power, or leader, or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. So in other words, there's nothing that has been created, there's no one who could be crea created, that can, who can compare to the authority and the power in Christ Jesus. Either in this world, or the next. Verse 22, God has put all things under the authority of Christ. And made him head over all things. Here it says, for the benefit of the church. Some translations talk about under the church. And truly, the devil is under our feet. So we have authority. We have the same authority. It says, and the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. So Jesus was created to be head all over uh, all things, that he gave the authority of his name to the church, which made the church unstoppable. My last point. Means I'm going to let you all go here in a minute. My last point is this. We are unstoppable because Jesus empowered the church. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even till the end of the age. Not only are we... Un empowered to be unstoppable 
but he is with us every step of the way. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. If God is for you, who can be against you? When we attach ourselves to the unstoppable church, we become unstoppable people. Listen to this out of, our, I think you've got it in 2 Corinthians 2, 14, in the Passion Translation. It says, God always makes his grace visible in Christ, who includes us as partners of his endless triumph. Through our yielded life, he spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of God everywhere we go. That is an amazing, amazing verse right there. When we yield ourselves to him, when we follow him, when we are doing his work and we're doing it out of a pure heart, it, it's, it's, it's like a fragrance, uh, uh, an aroma, a sweet, sweet smell. That's why when you're so sold out, I was, I was ministering to these young adults and, and none of them had their cell phones out. None of them, I mean, Jackie was telling me, I mean, they were just so, so there. And it's hard to get college and career and those young adults to, to be so there, but they were so there the whole time, every minute. And it's not because I'm that smart. It's not because I'm that good. It's because I'm that sold out. And when you're that sold out, that sweet aroma, it draws people not to you. It draws them to Jesus who's in you. Gamil's advice was this in Acts, and he was the high priest, uh, 5, 38 and 39. He says, so my advice is, leave these men alone. Let them go. If they're proclaiming and doing these things merely on their own, it will soon be overthrown. But if it's from God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You may even find yourselves fighting against God. See, this is great advice. He just said, if this is man-made religion, it's stoppable. But if the church is created by God, then the church is unstoppable. You can't stop it. You'll be fighting God. My question to you is, is the church founded upon the teachings of Jesus Christ from God? If that's the case, then the church is unstoppable and cannot be overthrown. Last but not least, we're going to use this scripture that we started with, upon this rock, upon this revelation, upon this truth, upon this foundation, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. We are an unstoppable church. They can't take away our wealth because it is stored up in heaven. They can't take away our freedom because we are free in Christ. They can't take away our happiness because our joy comes from within. They can't defeat us because we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. They can't silence us because the word of God endures forever. And they can't kill us because we have eternal life. Grace, the power to change. The unstoppable church that brings life to a lost and dying world with all heads bowed and all eyes closed. If you're here this morning and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you're watching online, if you're in the parking lot, 
Or if you say, Pastor Rick, look, I've accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, but I'm not walking the way I should walk, and I want to make that decision and walk right today. If that's you on either one of those two accounts, in your car, watching online, here in this sanctuary, let me see your hand. Anybody at all? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, you can put them down. We're all going to pray together. And if you believe what you say when you pray, you are exactly who you say. Born again, set free, delivered. Heavenly Father, today I receive, I accept Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. I thank you, God, for your love that you have for me. While I was a sinner, while I was your enemy, you sent your Son, Jesus, for me. He is my sacrifice. He died, and then he rose. He is the firstborn of many brethren. In Jesus' name, amen. And guess what? He's coming back, and he's coming back soon. He's coming back for you, and he's coming back for me. We have another portion of this service. We're going to take some communion. Um, I want to go ahead and have my prayer team come on up here. Now with communion, what I'm looking at is this. The Apostle Paul had an issue with the church at Corinth. And with the church at Corinth, the issue that he had is they messed up communion. They were not doing communion the way it should, should be. They got in their flesh. They were really not recognizing Jesus and the price that he paid. They were recognizing themselves. They were gluttonous. They, they, the people who were more to-do people went in the front of the line like at a, a church fellowship, and they would take all the stuff. They'd let their kids get ahead and, and who wasted everything. I mean, they kind of like we see in church today. And, and Paul said, uh-uh-uh-uh, that's not what it's about. It's about the price Jesus paid for your sin. And if you don't do this right, you might go home a little bit early, you might die. So in order to do this right, you have to deem yourself, judge yourself worthy. That's where the examination comes from. Well, pastor, how am I worthy? I just, you know, that guy that cut me off on the way to church. You're not worthy because of that. Go back to what you're thinking about. You're worthy because of what the Jesus paid for you at the cross at Calvary through his death, his burial, his resurrection. You're worthy because of that, because he who knew no sin was made to be sin, so you might become, be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It's not by your works of righteousness, it's by his grace alone. It's nothing that you can do that can take you out of this, but choosing not to take him as Lord and Savior. 
but there's no works you can do. You can't be good enough. It's impossible. So with that in mind, Father, I thank you for the body of Christ. I thank you for your broken body that was broken for me, your bruised body that took away all of my sin, all of our sin, that took away, remitted, abolished the sin of the world. Father, I thank you that we no longer have a sin problem. God, I pray for our understanding that we don't have a knowledge problem as well. That we get to know you, that we get to know your love, that, that we are changed and transformed by your love. And you proved your love through Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and partake of the bread. You know, that bread tastes horrible. But you know, if, if I was Catholic, which I was at one point in my life, they believe the bread turns into his literal flesh in your mouth. If that was true, I bet you that would be more horrible. Just saying. But see, his body was broken for us, but it's his blood that sealed the deal. The contract was written, that's his body, but it wasn't signed. It had to be signed in blood. And so blood, it remitted, it abolished sin. Father, I thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus. I thank you for that precious blood of Christ. And we give you glory and honor in Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and partake of the cup. Let me give you some tips real quick because I've had people talk to me about praying. You don't need to pray to Jesus. You don't need to pray to the Holy Spirit. You don't need to pray. You need to pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. Why? Because it was all done for us to be reconciled to the Father. We can go to the Father directly by the authority of Jesus. Now, can you talk to Jesus? Sure you can. I pray to you, Jesus, in Jesus' name, amen. No, I pray to you, Father, by the authority of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, amen. I'll teach on that one day.